Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Bathurst 12 Hours on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Saturday. It's qualifying day for Bathurst 12 Hours for 2024. In the booth, it's Richard Crail, Garth Tanter, and me, John Heindorf, and we are ready for something exceptionally exceptionally special before we get up to speed and speed will be the name of the game here this is speed saturday as far as the rep call bathurst 12 hour runners are concerned let's head to the pit lane and say good morning to shay adam good morning guys up in the booth it is a beautiful morning down here already warmer than we had yesterday at this exact same time so the conditions are going to be more favorable for quick laps earlier on and in that vein of thinking i've seen quite a few teams send their car out for this sighting lap already on sticker tires so we've got the impetus of needing to get out and get that fast lap that quali sim done early in this fifth practice session of the weekend couple of cars of note on sticker tires both of the EMA Porsches both 911 and 912 912 has Lawrence Vantor and Matt Campbell available two previous Alan Simonson Hull Award winners but it's Ancon who's behind the wheel right now of that car with the stickers both of the Audis from the MPC as well the Melbourne Performance Center both the 22 and the 2 have been fastest in respective practice sessions they have both of their cars on the sticker tires, both of their cars as well with the non-factory Audi drivers behind the wheels this morning. So Liam Talbot in the 22, and for the two, it is Brad Schumacher. And the other car that I noticed was the wall-racing Lamborghini. That car with sticker tires going straight out of the pit lane, but also there are sticker Pirellis up and down, and people will be coming straight back in to put them on and then go see what their cars have. One car that we won't be seeing Early on is the AMG GT4, the number 19 car. I had a chat with Adam Christodoulou last night about this. They had a couple of issues with their communications. Uh, we saw the car going around after the chequered flag. Uh, and what happened was, at the original chequered flag, the driver was looking at the instruments and missed the chequered flag. He came around the next time round, and there was no flag at all. And they couldn't call him in. So as they were trying to get the pit board out, he went around again. And that's when the red flags came out. Now, there's an option to put in some financial penalties here. But it was all explained to the clerk of the course and the stewards of the meeting, Crailsey, and a 10-minute stop and hold for that car at the start of this session. So effectively... They're going to miss the first 10 minutes of this session. Yep. Uh, morning, John, Garth and Shay. Great to be here for what's going to be a very big Saturday. Yeah, I spoke to Steve Lisk. He's on the stewards panel uh, about that. And the team argued that it should be a sporting rather than monetary penalty for uh, that issue. They had the radio failed. So there was no radio comms. Missed the chequered flag. You're not allowed to cross the past the chequered flag more than once at the end of any given session. So they'll sit out the first 10 minutes of this session. The advantage of that is that this is a 60-minute session as opposed to the 40 minutes yesterday. So how does today work? Well, two all-in one-hour sessions. There's no restriction on driver ranking in each session. It can be a complete free-for-all. Practice five, you are allowed to practice pit stops and refuel the car. So I would imagine at this point we will see a little bit of that because it'll be the last opportunity under semi-racing conditions where you can do a proper hot pit lane pit stop before, well, the 60-minute mark of the race tomorrow morning. Um, Practice six, which is only half an hour after the conclusion of this session, will set the top and bottom 50% split for qualifying later on. So in a way, it's almost part one of qualifying Garth Tander coming up in practice six. But these track conditions now, just on 17 degrees ambient, really crisp 
cool air outside, sun beating down on an otherwise relatively cool racetrack. This is happy hour yeah. at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, I was going to say, it's happy hour, Rich. Good morning to you, John, Shay, and everyone watching on the stream. It's This track loves these cool conditions with the sun yet to take effect and the UV really affecting the tarmac. That's when you can drive seriously fast. There's a high grip level here. You know, in the past, we've seen upwards of one and a half seconds of track improvement in these conditions as opposed to the middle part of the day. So... The trick for race teams is not getting lured into thinking that this is qualifying and having a crack here because you'll be qualifying in the middle part of the day at 12.40 local time here in Bathurst. So the track conditions then will be very different to what we're driving at 8 o'clock this morning. So whilst the car will feel fantastic right now, you need to have one eye on the most important session of the day going forward, and that'll be qualifying at 12.40. So teams more than likely looking at making changes overnight, assessing what those changes have done to the car, drivers continuing to play themselves in, uh, and then as we get closer towards the end of practice six, that next practice session we have prior to qualifying, you're right, Rich, that that'll effectively be pre-qualifying, everyone making sure they're in the top 50% in the fast session, because that has a big influence. If you get yourself mired down in the slower 50%, then there's a bigger opportunity for traffic pollution. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you're in the bottom 50%, if you do a lap time that's good enough to get yourself in the top 10, you're in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's still the opportunity of getting held up if you're in that slower session. So, practice six particularly the second half of practice six, will be pretty exciting to watch. You'd love to be out there right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, this, this time of day in a GT3 uh, car, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd be out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be out there for sure. Give me this green set of tyres, low fuel load, a clear track, and let me have a crack. So we are already six and a half minutes in. Everyone getting their Pirellis up to temperature and pressure. Beautiful conditions. Welcome along if you are just joining us. Repco Bathurst 12 hours for 2024. And these are the sessions that you don't normally see. Commitment made by the event to extend the World Feed TV. We'll go into our network show from half midday, 12.30. Local time here in Bathurst. Uh, later on today, for those of you watching and listening in Australia. For those of you further afield, just stick where you are. You'll get everything you need throughout the day. And if you're travelling around, of course, and you maybe get a little bit bandwidth challenged or you're in the car, then you can link up your smart device and just get the audio via RS1 from the player at RadioLamont.com as well. Exactly the same audio that you're watching uh, or hearing, rather, as you're watching the television, which is the sound of the number 22 Audi going up Mountain Straight, which looks like this is a little bit of a push lap, Garth. It does, and Liam Talbot on board driving the 22 at the moment. And looking at the... Well, actually, saying Kelvin Vanderlyn now. So, But looking at the dash, I had a look at the dash because he had a big moment on the entry to Turn 1 and then it slid through the mid part of Turn 1 and there again at the kink at the cutting. And if you look at the dash, the top left, you'll see some red readouts and that's the tyre pressures are too low right now so the tyre not in the operating window for what the car needs and you can visually see that as the car's moving yeah. around so he's even rolled out of it here there's no point pushing across it is Kelvin yeah, it is driving Kelvin. Yeah. from the helmet so uh, there's no point ragging it across the top of the mountain when you've already had a pretty untidy start to the lap so now what you want to do is continue to build the tyre temp and also keep your vision right up the road for the next lap to make sure that there's no one in your way so you've got a nice clear racetrack. So you'll find he'll probably push at 90% across the top here. And then as he comes down, Conrod, you look right up the road and see who's up there. First gear out of the cutting. So having to slow the car to rotate it. So right now, now you look up the road. Go, Is anyone up there? And that's pretty good vision if you're uh, a race car driver. Yeah, he's happy right no, Next lap, here we go. So Vanderlinda... There's some invitational cars in the chase, Garth. So, I mean, he'll probably get to them, but right now it's good. So, Kelvin was quickest of all yesterday. First practice session about 11 minutes in, made slight contact with the slower car and then punched out a 2.02.73, which stood as the quickest time of the day. First time we've seen a two in Friday practice as well. So, it was a big benchmark. The Team WRT cars, 32 in front of 46, were next. And then in fourth place, the Sun Energy One car, thanks to a 203.4 set by Jules Gounon. 
as Kelvin van der Linde goes into turn one. So for the purposes of qualifying, we'll talk to you about sector times and this circuit split into three of them. The first sector timing intermediate is just before what is officially turn seven. We know it as Solman Park just at the brow as they go under the gum tree at the top of the mountain. The second is on the exit of the elbow just before they straighten the car out for that 1.5-kilometre run down Conrad Strait. A really good first sector. In fact, a sector that should get you pole position somewhere about 49.6.7. Across the top, if you're anything under 31 seconds, you should be on the front row of the grid. And the final sector, 40 seconds, even the best we saw last year by Jules Gounon. So we'll refer to those timing benchmarks over the course of today more and more often as we get closer and closer to qualifying and that shootout for the Alan Simonson Pole Award. How's he doing on this lap then, Garth? Still with the 22. And this Porsche... This Porsche, that's twice I've done that with this car. The <laughs> colours, you know. Uh, this Audi... Looks pretty well set now. Yeah, uh, first sector is a 51.4 versus his brother, who's just gone fastest in the BMW at a 51.0. So still not coming to him. And it looks did still look untidy. I saw in the background of the shot at turn one. So potentially the tyre is still not coming to Kelvin van der Linde. But you could hear the car bottoming across the top of the mountain as it dropped down into the grate. And uh, traditionally the Audi, when it's in, the air is cool like this, you can actually feel the downforce is higher. Yeah, yeah. You can actually feel it. Because the, so, the air is denser, the so there's more bumped. downforce. So yeah. you could hear the Audi bottoming in that se in this session this morning, whereas in the middle part of the day, you won't hear it as much because the downforce is not there. The air is thinner. Are, are they going to make any major changes to the cars leading up to qualifying? Is that what we're seeing here? Maybe a slightly different aero setting, a slightly different setup on the cars as they head towards qualifying? Oh, you generally lock in, I know with the Audis, we pretty much would lock in the aero package early, so the downforce level, and then tune the rest of the car around at the ride heights, the springs, um, the anti-roll bars. You tune the rest of the car around that. So, yeah, I would imagine right, aero was set even before they got here on Thursday. While we're waiting for these times to come down even further, let's head to the pit lane and say good morning to Lucas Stoltz, who's with Cher Adam. Yeah, Luca, you got the honor of starting out the session this morning. It's nice and cool conditions. How was the track? Uh, actually, I only did one lap, just an out lap, and uh, now Jules back in the car. But yeah, track looks, it's still really cool. Um, every time it's a little bit special to come here. Like yesterday, first lap, so I for sure got some goosebumps. Um, yeah, really, really special track, especially sector two across the top. Really enjoying it. This race has been so good to you over the last couple of years. The two consecutive wins now going for a third. The, the car is the same. Do you feel like it is the same as when you rolled it into victory lane last year? Yeah, it feels more or less the same. Obviously, we had great speed uh, last year, so we'll run more or less the same setup and uh, just try to do our best. Um, let's see. Um, there's the new Porsche, which looks quite strong, and uh, I think also the BMWs made a step. So it will be a tough fight, but yeah, we, we enjoy fighting them. How much will you guys push for the Alan Simonson Pole Award today? Oh, full send. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a big thing, this, for qualifying. Not just to get pole position, Garth, because that is the right place to be come 5.45 on Sunday morning. But the fact that it is the Alan Simonson Pole Award, I know it's... Uh, sometimes fashionable to think of racing drivers as very very selfish very single-minded but there are things that matter to them yeah. and that is like the watch the rolex for winning the 24 hours of daytona this paul award after after one of their own it, it means something yeah that that phrase you use there one of their own one of your own is makes it certainly much more special i mean there's some really nice words in there from lucas stoltz hearing like the first time you go across the top of the mountain you still get goosebumps these are guys that race at spa they race at the nurburgring they race at all the cool racetracks all around the world and they come to bathurst and they still get goosebumps for the first time across the top of the mountain and then hearing him say yeah when it comes to quality it's full send and that's what makes us so excited watching gt3 cars on the limit around bathurst in a qualifying trim light fuel new tires Seatbelts done up nice and tight. <laughs> Big, deep breath. Take a deep breath. And right about here, don't breathe for the next 45 seconds. It's uh, it's exciting to watch, isn't he, it? He's got a great track record here, Lucas Stoles. Two wins, a third and a fifth uh, in five starts. In 2018, he was here with 
Porsche and finished oh. third in that remarkable finish to that race as we watch Grouper M Racing pressing on with their special tribute livery, 130 years of Mercedes AMG. Bouncing down the hill, I bumped into Mario yesterday and he said, yeah, car looks good, doesn't it? I don't know, it's not a massive contributor to the chance of finally getting a Bathurst win, but uh, presentation is part of the battle in races like this. Luca, it's a funny story, Luca Stoles, because Kenny gets a lot of the headlines in Sun Energy 1 because he's the local hero and the guy that's paying for it and he owns a place on Conrad Strait. Jules Gounon gets a lot of the headlines because he's been the guy at the end of the race getting boxed into by Mara Engel or Matt Campbell or whoever it might be or punctures in a Bentley or whatever. Lucas Stoles goes and does all the workmanlike stints in the middle of the day and gets absolutely no credit for it. So his uh, achievements here are as good as any of the internationals that have come to play. He's the he's the engine room, isn't he? Yeah. He's, the, he's the mid he's the midfielder in, in football in soccer parlance who covers every blade, blade of grass and and sets everything up for the closer. Effectively, he uh, the stint that he did in the middle part of the day last year. I mean, we we rave about Jules Gunon's consistency and his ability to maximise the car. Stoltz did a stint in the middle part of the day, which arguably more challenging to be more exactly. consistent. Yeah. and it was metronomic. It was yeah. just it just. It was almost like the timing was stuck on the same lap time, the way that he kept <laughs> yeah. punching out laps. Yeah. And it's that work. We talk about the grunt work, you know, when you're setting up the race car in the middle part of the day in the hot conditions and then doing that hot part of the race. And that's what Lucas Stoltz does. Like, under the radar is the definition of Lucas Stoltz, isn't it? Sheldon van der Linde, no improvement on that lap in the number 32 Team WRT BMW M4 GT3. This is the car with the Shell Helix livery. So it's Mauro Kelvin Sheldon. So the Van der Linde boys line astern, as they were for a point yesterday as well. One in an Audi, one in a BMW. Mauro Engel remains quickest at a 204.2, less than a tenth of a second quicker than Kelvin Van der Linde. Jaden O'Jade has just popped up to fourth place. That's the Caltech-sponsored Craft Bamboo Racing Mercedes-AMG. Really good chat to Daryl O'Young yesterday, who's one of the directors of that race team. He's been coming here a long time. He was part of that winning Audi squad in 2011 and 12 and then disappeared for a couple of years, set up his own race team. Um, it was a merging of a couple of different touring car teams in craft racing and bamboo racing and they've been great supporters of this race and they've landed Caltex as a backup and big raps on the juice, Jaden O'Jader as he's known. He's a really talented young guy. Darrell O'Young, no mean touring car driver himself as well in yeah. his uh, East Korea called his name a, a few times in various races around the world. Felipe Fraga in that 130 Mercedes. Now, has he just taken that car over then? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's on his outlap. Thank you. So, Felipe, this second time here, isn't it, uh, for Felipe Fraga? Uh, Nürburgring holds no fears for him. Remember seeing him in the Glickenhaus doing some remarkable things around the Nordschleifer. He was part of the Gruppe M team in 2020. They crossed the line second, but had a 30-second penalty yes. post-race for that last pit stop and uh, ultimately finished sixth. Another one of the near-run things for Gruppe Top. M at this place. They have been so strong and in contention for a win every time they get here. At RSL underscore studio, whether you're here at the track listening on the FM or around the world, here in Oz for this morning, these two morning sessions, fire up the network TV at midday 30, 12.30 today. We go and take over the airwaves here in Australia and then all day tomorrow, of course. 2038 for Jules Gounon. So the Sun Energy cool, one like. jumps to the top. <laughs> Mega last sector. Yeah. We're on board for that one. Nice and deep at the chase. And then actually just coasted the car into the last corner. But then yeah. almost like fuel save technique. But then braked really late. Yeah. And the car was very nice there. So it was actually really interesting to hear that. The, the, the AMGs do look very good. And... We talked about this yesterday. If you weren't with us, by the way, all of yesterday is basically available to rewind and watch again on the archive. Just uh, follow the links that we've been tweeting out on the socials. It, getting 
getting a car that's comfortable for all three drivers, Garth. Not always an easy thing to do, which is why getting the right teammates is so important who like a car that feels fairly similar. Uh, and that goes a long way towards this car's success that we have on screen with Jules Ganon, Lucas Stoltz and Kenny Habul. They've been together, this is their third year together now, so they know what each other wants from the race car. It's basically the same spec race car they've had for the last three years, so really for Kenny, who's the the you know the third driver and he would freely admit he's the gentleman driver in this crew it's it's for him to feel more and more confident year on year because he's with the same co-drivers racing the same spec car at the same racetrack you can continue to build over that three-year period so this combination just gets stronger and stronger when you have a new combination come together for a 12-hour race like this you have to learn each other's likes you each other's strengths each other's weaknesses that's why those bronze driver sessions yesterday were so important to get the bronze drivers as many miles as they could in the car without giving up the car to the superstars so they can go do the Hollywood lap times. <laughs> so it's, it's a real balancing act. And I found whenever I was racing with a bronze driver, the more confidence you could give the bronze driver, the faster your car was because yeah. that combination just got stronger and stronger and stronger. So just give the bronze driver extra miles. Give them the confidence. If the setup tweak meant the difference between you going half a tenth faster or the bronze driver going four tenths faster, take the bronze driver's like. Because that absolutely, as a whole makes your whole race car faster over the duration of 12 hours. Hello to those... Uh, tuned in on Discord. Always a good chat going on there. Uh, and also a special good evening, as it is to him, uh, back in yesterday on Friday night, coming up to Hotmas 9 in the UK, to Malcolm Cracknell, the uh, founder of DailySportsCar.com and its original editor, Crackers. Glad to know that you're watching and listening back in the uh, what will be the cool dark UK, as you can see here. The weather's awful, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, this morning there was a bit of fog crack. Yeah, you would have recognised that. It was very Sebring and a little monish, but now it's lovely. It's 8.30 local time here at Bathurst. There's heaps of time left today for the weather yeah, to go sideways. Exactly. <laughs> Did you see yesterday? Yeah, right. I'm taking this right now. I'm, I'm a right now type of person. Living in the moment. Uh, Nick Perkett's uh, living in the moment for this weather in the Superglass Racing IRC GT. It's being run by Matt Stone Racing, the team that Nick will drive for this year in the Repco Supercars Championship, and he's 14th outright at the moment, 206.87. These invitational class cars run to a 206.0 benchmark lap time. They're not allowed to go quicker than that. If it happens in practice or qualifying, they lose the lap time. If it happens in the race, they get a warning once, and then penalties start being applied. So this is a good opportunity for Nick to dial himself in. He'll share this car with Cameron Hill, former Carrera Cup champion, and his co-pilot in the supercar team, and John Hollinger, who's a pretty experienced guy racing Trans Am cars. And the IRC GT is like a properly souped-up Trans Am. It's got yeah. more aero, more horsepower, more tyre. Similar sort of philosophy, and he's uh, getting up to speed yesterday. And that's the fastest in that category. Invitational class this year. We've oh, talked oh, about a lot. Come back to that in a moment because we've got the WM Waste McLaren Arturo GT4 in the gravel and this might have to be our first stoppage of the weekend. Red flag And flight. it is indeed. It's Jesse Bryan behind the wheel making his Repco Bathurst 12-hour debut. This is Method Motorsport, brand new team co-founded by Chaz Mostert, who is also in this car. And young gun Marcus Flack, who's come out of one-make Porsche racing, having spent quite a bit of time in Europe on the open-wheel pathway over there in British Formula 4. And this is that new Archira. Nice livery, WM Waste, green and yellow. The is that the first corner? Well. It's a, no, it's the last corner, is it? That's, I think that's turn one. I should have turn gone one. with my yeah, first one, one, yes. Yeah. Go with what you think first. Uh, whilst we wait for that car to be recovered and uh, he's gone on the grass yeah, on the inside inside, inside of the curb there. Was, you can see the skid mark I think he's done what we saw Liam Talbot do and maybe How turn in from the grass oh, and he's just missed if he's missed the wall that, where that Audi signage is he's done very well there so it's been quite the adventure here for Jesse Bryan to get to where he is in the gravel trap at turn one well there's no damage on the left hand side no, of the car I think he has already rotated the by then there's TMA. quite a lot of camber on that corner the, the curb on the inside is higher than it looks on TV as well so it's probably launched the thing into the air 
good opportunity to say thank you very much indeed to our track services recovery and all the volunteer marshals around the circuit waving flags judges of fact and indeed all the volunteers it always strikes me when i come down here that whether it's somebody checking my pass on the way in or the the security, etc. Everybody greets you with a smile. They're all racing fans around here. Got to know one or two of the ladies and gentlemen as we've been coming in the same way. Getting a cheery smile and a wave now helps to have a nice V8 burbling away. I think <laughs> that uh, makes you goes, your, goes a long way in Australia. It does. Yeah, I've found that out. I've found that out. I just want to go back to that invitational class, Krillzy. That's going to be a cracking battle, and it's in it's in some ways a class for now bespoke racing car manufacturers isn't it you've got mark you've got the irc you've got ktm uh, in there it's a really interesting class that could certainly we've got what five six five cars in it this time seven seven cars Mm. in it this time yeah um but there's plenty of that type of manufacturer out there yeah i agree it's exciting the the depth in it this year i i think the potential for the gt2 category to grow as well sro pushing that very hard it's their new more entry level top level gt category i suppose with a performance level below that of gt3 cars they're aimed at more of the gentleman driver amateur driver um to make them a little bit easier to drive a little bit more cost effective to run um to get people into that level and there are a range of different brands that are now making a gt2 specification car we've got the ktm crossbow here with uh, the Vantage team, which is excellent. And then Mark Cars Australia and IRC doing a great job with their locally designed, built, developed racing cars gives them a place to run as well. It'd be cool to see that class end up somewhere around the 10 car mark and the big field of GT3s. It it just gives that extra storyline. The French guys from Vortex are really excited about being here. This is their first generation car, but they've got the Vortex 2.0, which is a big leap forward. And, oh, and they've said they're coming back next year. They're going to be, they're going to be back in in force, which is really exciting. I've had a good crawl over that 2.0. They've gone to a full carbon chassis, as the McLaren, having been recovered, is. Uh, just showing his pass to get into the campgrounds yeah. now. Jesse doesn't know where to go. You've got to go straight ahead here, Jesse. Straight, yeah. straight, straight ahead. And then, and then left. Just yeah, past the shower block That's on the right. right-hand yeah. side. You'd Very Bathurst uh, mm. in-car vision, this. This is what we all do at the end of the race. This is where you go. Here where go. am I going? Says Jesse. Straight ahead. There we go. What's your plot number? <laughs> Which <laughs> campsite? Back to caravan. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got to ask. And now, So when you and SVG won in the COVID year, you, you got the victory lap, but there was no chance of a fan invasion there. But... Have you ever been tempted when you've won the 1,000 to ignore that paddock marshal and just do a sneaky no. celebration? Like, no. I know you'd probably get massively fined. You get but hugely fined. And to be honest, you, you want to get to the podium as yeah, quick as you can because you want to get to the team. But, um, yeah, it would be nice to, to do. And I'll, But in honesty, Rich, a lot of the time you don't have the fuel to go yeah, and do true. a cool down yeah. there because you, dry, you go so low in the tank with the strategy that yeah. you often don't have the fuel and you get stuck up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be embarrassing. Which would be a good party. Yeah. You wouldn't show up again until no. next Tuesday because it would be a big party if you stopped at the top of the your mountain. Your car wouldn't come back either. <laughs> your car would go home in about 150 campers' <laughs> SUVs, I think, in pieces. Yeah, the opposite of one piece at a time. Yeah. The little song. That Arturo looked pretty... Together, I'm, I'm not sure. Hit the wall. I don't think he hit anything. No, I don't think he hit anything. But I, it looked like to me, he lost. There's some bodywork missing from that car. The one of the wings that goes from the the sort of like the C pillar, yeah. if you like, which is just a bit of artificial bodywork, really. So whether that's related or not, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's a shame we don't have the vision of that one. It looked like it was a spectacular ride. <laughs> Look, look at the witness marks yeah, on the road. Right, yeah. could, not get, <laughs> could not get closer to that Audi wall. And I, I, was he was he going backwards at that point? Because it almost looks like there's they, a crossover. The, the skid marks across. I think he's turned in from the grass. Yeah. Very similar to what we saw Liam Talbot do yesterday. And the, the grass probably being a little bit damp yeah. today from the condensation Good has point. made it a lot yep. more slippery. And that's what's rotated the car for Jesse. It never ceases to amaze. 23 corners at this place. 21 of them are among the best corners in global motorsport, but the two on a track map 
supposedly innocuous 90-degree left-handers are the ones that cause so much drama at this joint. Yeah, well, the last of the first. Yeah, exactly. You tend to drop your guard a little bit yeah. because your commitment and your concentration and everything's so high across the top of the mountain here that you do exactly that. You get to the bottom of the mountain and go, well, these are just second-gear right-hand corners. Yeah, no, don't have to worry about them too much. But there's so much <laughs> lap time to be made there that you've actually can't drop your guard. So that's what makes this track so... So you Such drop your challenge. guard there as well because the left-hand corner's not right hand. Oh, well, there you go. I would have gone to Bathurst. <laughs> I was in town. That's how much you drop your guard, John. You don't even know which way to turn. <laughs> I gave you credit yesterday for spotting the Jeez. cars on the onboard. I'm going to have you for that one. <laughs> probably, probably good he's up here. No, you just at this the last corner, you can go left and continue the lap. Yeah. Or you can go right and go to Bathurst. Yeah, go to yeah. Kremer and yeah. get yourself yeah. a, a Go get a coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 30 minutes to go of this uh, one-hour session. Um, as you can tell, we're having a lot of fun here because so far this week, it has been absolutely outstanding. Big crowd. It's been fantastic in every single one of the races. If you work with us earlier on for the uh, combined sedans, once we've got this session over, rewind it and watch it. It was at, and watch it right to the end. Yes, no spoilers. The last lap. Do not miss the last couple of laps. Outstanding racing from Group S and from the combined. That, that Sunday afternoon, that finish. That's we're going to get that Sunday afternoon. You think so? Yeah, I'm calling it now. All right. Yeah. Last corner, please. I'm just, just note it down, guys. 8:35 and 31, yeah, yeah, yeah. 32. Friday at 8:30. That's Saturday. Two Porsches together coming down under the spares box walk over bridge. And Phantom Global, Bastion Boost behind the wheel. Of the, of the blue one. Yes, correct. And that's the 992. And if you look very carefully, you'll see that the way the rear aerofoil, the rear wing is mounted on the blue car going into... Hell's Corner now. That's got those swan necks mounts that are over the top. The car that's behind it is the 991 Gen 2 or 0.2 in Porsche speak. That's the Shell car, Shell Helix car, and that's got a more traditionally mounted rear wing behind the rear window as it comes through. I see it's mounted on the bottom rather than those mounts going over the top. It's all about cleaning up the airflow. Yeah, you can definitely see the, the rear diffuser is, is different on the newer car. Much higher rear diffuser. And, and also the front air intake, well, the exhaust from the in the bonnet. The much bigger air exhaust yeah. coming out of the bonnet on the, on the newer car as well. So I was struggling to pick up the difference earlier between the newer portion the, and the previous generation. But when you look a bit more closely... As you pointed out, John, there's some serious aero upgrades to the new car. And also the new car uh, has been designed to be more user-friendly, not just in terms of setup, but also in terms of uh, replacing parts serviceability. So two or three clips to take off the whole rear three-quarter panel rather than having three or four different pieces of bodywork there. Also a 4.2 engine against a 4-litre, of course. Still a flat stick, still normally aspirated, still that Porsche sound. And from the back, it's probably the easiest to see because, of course, it's now the 992's got the lighting strip all the way across the back as well. Every year, it seems like Porsche just increased the capacity by 0.2. Yes. Give it another three or four years, I have a six-litre flatline six. You can, <laughs> but I think you can only hone a box so far <laughs> yeah, right. to get a few extra CCs. A bit out. less ball width <laughs> left in it. Correct. That they need a carbon fibre bore to get them thin enough these days. I've I've seen that engine has its has its basis in the Le Mans car engine, the, the GTLM or uh, the GT car and I've seen one with its heads off and um, uh, you would not get a piece of paper between yeah. the boards. It, it, it's, some, it's an odd number and somebody will know it off by heart but it, it's something like 4.193 or 187. Probably because if they went to the actual 4.2 the structural integrity of the block. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably using unobtainium to make the cylinder <laughs> line as, as it is. Cool car. The interesting, because I lead a vibrant and exciting social life. I was crunching some BOP numbers the other night. <laughs> and um, the interesting thing is that the older gen car retains the same BOP yeah. as 12 months ago. And that car finished second outright. And that's the thing. You can bring a whole new mousetrap to GT3 racing and all the bells and whistles, but balance of performance will mean that it will bring you back to the pack regardless. So watching that Shell V-Power car relative to the two newer ones is going to be really interesting. I see no reason why that can't be still very, very competitive at an outright level as well as in the Voice of Pro Amp class this weekend. That's the general 
rule of thumb with GT3 racing in the BOP is you can't go away and build a spaceship and Correct. win by half a lap, so you're brought back to the pack by the, what the manufacturers are doing by updating and changing and tuning. It's not just keeping the car mar relevant yeah. to the market, but changing the way they achieve their lap time. And I know with the Audi, with this current upgrade, when they went to that a couple of years ago, they changed the engine, the intake runners for exactly this track. Yeah. The punch off Forest Elbow, the punch oh, off wow. Turn 1, because that was where the car was really lacking. So it punched off the corner better. But then you couldn't just keep all the wondrous downforce, and yeah. then, so they had to build more drag into the car. So just the way that it achieves the lap time, it was slower here at the end of Conrod, but it got to its speed much quicker off Forest Elbow to make the car more raceable. Head of Audi Sport Customer Racing, Chris Ranke, uh, on his way here. In fact, no, I think he got here yesterday. Got here yesterday afternoon. We'll try and grab a chat with him down in the pit lane with Shay uh, to find out what the plans are for Audi Sport Customer Racing going forward. It's been a uh, a strange old time for them with a, a number of different uh, changes in their racing philosophy in the last 18 months to two years, having built up an incredible, an incredible history with prototype and GT racing over the last uh, nearly quarter of a century, really. We've got to think about that now. And Chris, I'm sure, will have a word with us at some stage over the weekend. Just under 25 minutes to go. 2.03.852 is the fastest, and that was from the defending race winners from last year. Gilles Gounon back with Sun Energy 1. Although it is a different team uh, running it this year, Kenny Bulls actually put his own team together. So keep an eye on that one with uh, Jules when it, that goes back out. Meantime, Grello out on the circuits. I just thought I could hear pit lane noises. Shay, are you there? Hey, guys. Yep, sorry about that. Down here in the garage with Jesse Bryan. Jesse, that was quite a ride. We didn't get the video footage from the uh, McLaren, but I'm hoping that you had a camera in the Artura. Oh, I'm sure there's a camera, but uh, I'm pretty glad that wasn't on TV, to be honest. That was a pretty scary ride. Don't really know what happened. Um, just into the braking at turn one, and, um, yeah, just locked up all four, so... I'm um, not sure the McLaren boys and our team are onto it now. We've got a really good team backing us, so and the, and the guys from uh, England are here from McLaren as well. So I'm sure they'll get it sorted pretty quickly. If there is any issues, then um, it'll be sorted very quickly. So, But, yeah, that was one hell of a ride, that's for sure. So hopefully no more of that. Get it out of the system and push on. I walked around the entire car. There's no additions to the livery, so you didn't actually scratch the paint even. That's the good news. Most impressive bit for me, though, was getting back into the paddock without the right parking pass. I uh, know. I couldn't even get into the paddock in the road car this morning, so I'm pretty happy they let me through in this one. I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't, but um, not a scratch. I don't think you could have fit a piece of paper between the wall and my car just then, so uh, a miracle I didn't hit it, and I'm pretty stoked with that. So uh, hopefully it gets better from here on. Yeah, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. For me, Bye. that tells them, guys, that this is a car to watch because clearly the mountain likes them if they can get away with an incident and not even have an additional scratch on the car. Yeah, you're right there, Shay. Uh, that I bet that was a, an adrenaline-fueled moment. He knows what colour adrenaline is now, no doubt. Jesse Bryan uh, this morning. And uh, McLaren overnight, uh, one of the couple of teams declaring their world championship liveries. And the, the works cars playing... Homage to a 1995 winner at the Le Mans 24 Hours. JJ Leto with that incredible quad stint during the uh, during the wet and the cold of the night at Le Mans in a very wet year that year. That was and uh, yeah, so they've got their winner clinic colours, and uh, Proton Porsche have got the Fat Turbo, the old Dower Porsche 1994 winner. Overall, uh, just heard the confirmation there, Krilzy, about the uh, 10 minute stop ago. That's for car 46, which is the BMW WRT entry. Uh, Maxime Martin shown behind the wheel now. Uh, that was for passing under red flags. Mm. So that was the voice of race director James Taylor. Upstairs from us in Motorsport Australia race control, looming large over the pit lane here at Mount Panorama. So they're going to have to spend 10 minutes in the lane. So, they need to get that done now, yeah, and they'll so still have 10 minutes in the 21 session. and a half to mm. go. So by the time he gets to pit lane, it'll be basically 20 minutes. And then a 10-minute hold will give you 10 minutes at the end of the session. So that's going to affect their run plan. And obviously for Maxine Martin, we'll, we'll lose some 10 minutes of running, about four or five laps. And while that was all going on, uh, Jamie Wincup went to the top, just to remind us all why he's 
one of the most capable racing car drivers to come out of this part of the world. 203.11, quick time of the day so far. A guy that in five prior Bathurst 12-hour starts has had a first, second, a third, and a fourth. So you're saying right. there's a chance they'll probably be fifth this year. Well, <laughs> I'd like to be better than that, but well, stats are saying. <laughs> correct. Pro-Am entry, so maybe a Pro-Am class win, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, could be, definitely. And Prince Jeffrey and... Jordan Love. Oh, so that message hasn't made its way out to the number 46 BMW yet because they're uh, pressing on. I wonder if they're thinking, well, maybe we'll park it with 10 to go yeah. and then sit, just, the end of it out. Sit, sit the rest mm. of the session out. I wonder, I'm how, not sure. How long have they got before the I'm not the sure if race control in. will let that happen. I'm not sure. Actually, Three times passed? Well, that's how it is in racing. In, yeah. in the one the race, if you're black flagged, you've got the third time you go past the line. It's the last time you go past the line, effectively. So... I'm curious. I wonder whether there's some emails going backwards and forwards to race control at the minute saying, can we just maybe do 10 minutes and then sit 10 minutes uh, out? Yeah. I wonder, though, they probably have to sit there without touching the car. It's not like they better launch in and start prepping it for the next session, which is very quickly. Yeah, good uh, point. Follows this that one, is I good point. That'll be interesting. Uh, Harry King's just gone second in that Porsche we were talking about, the previous gen car that was a runner-up in this race last year, the young Brit who came here in Porsche Carrera Cup last October and won. Very impressive young guy, 203.7. Lucas Stoll's back to third. That's the time that Gunon did in car 75 earlier. Danny Junkadella up to fourth place in the Caltex Craft Bamboo. Mercedes AMG and David Reynolds has popped to fifth. So he's taken over the Mercedes AMG Gruppa M racing entry. First of the Addies remains car 22. Liam Talbot getting some valuable laps aboard the Wash It orange and blue car that we've been following all weekend long because it definitely is one of our race favourites. There's no doubt that car is a genuine contender and there it is heading into the kink. Harry King continuing to do a good job at Bathurst. Turned up last year in Carrera Cup as a support to the Bathurst 1000. Never seen the joint before and went on to clean yeah. sweep it. And uh, had a, a mega race with Harry Jones. Two, Harry Jones, Australian, but been racing in Europe for a while. So the two Euro blokes turned up and just cleaned up in Carrera Cup. They were teammates in Porsche Super Cup last year and rivals in Carrera Cup Germany. So it was a strange little <laughs> dynamic going on. A funny story about Harry. I was talking to him up in the support race paddock in the Porsche truck, and he was like, I haven't seen a kangaroo yet. Oh, and I thought, I thought they just bounced down the main street here. I was like, nah, mate, that never happens. And on cue, bouncing through the support Nowhere. race paddock was a kangaroo. I said, oh, Harry, just turn around. There's <laughs> one for you. So we ticked that box straight away. Good young guy, really fast. Um, well thought of a Porsche, Chris. Yeah, highly well of. part of yeah. the junior program. And um, he came out here with the express purpose of running with EMA Motor sport to give their Carrera Cup team a bit of a boost after a tough season. Certainly did that because he won at Bathurst and got to stand on the top step of the podium and that led to him getting involved with Yasha Shahin and the Shell team as part of the Joint Forces Manti EMA link up again at Bathurst. Just a, a confirmation from race control by the way, James Taylor and the team uh, underlining what Krilsey said earlier on, that BMW number 46, the WRT car pinged for overtaking under a red that car in the pit lane for 10 minutes and it cannot be touched yep. Yep. so that, that would be another infringement so it's effectively parked firm here bring the car in and park it up has it come in? Yes. It's yes. In. Yes. They're in now. Shit, Adam is down there. For yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say, guys, is that Maxime Martin brought the car in, and he actually asked the team, do I have to sit in the car the entire time? They asked. The answer was no, so he has just gotten out, but the crew member went to go touch the door, and one of his car chiefs actually very astutely noticed and said, no, 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 no. Nobody can touch the car for the 10 minutes. So now this 46 BMW is just sitting a bit forlornly on the pit lane. <laughs> Thank you, Cher. I was, I'm glad you confirmed that. I was diving into the deep, dark, dusty recess, um, recesses of my motorsport regulations part of the brain, which is not great. Um, and I'm glad that's uh, that's the case. So they'll sit there for 10 minutes and I'll get a little bit of a run at the end. They'll probably have, what, eight minutes or so? Yeah, I'd say seven, six minutes by the time they get going again after the 10-minute penalty. So when you have those penalties, 10 minutes feels like 20. Like, it's just just sitting there. There's nothing you can do. Like Maxine said, I might as well get out. There's nothing I can do in here. And, and to that point, a lot of the conversations I had in the paddock last night were people talking about a lack of runtime. So it's so valuable this weekend, and the pro drivers especially, because 
they're all high maintenance and they all love getting lap time, of course. Um, present company. High excluded. maintenance. Present company excluded. Just write that down. They're all going, look, we're not getting enough laps. And um, they're, the two. Two dedicated sessions for the bronze drivers as well. All the pros were complaining about those. Oh, we want to be out there as well. The point was, was that everyone was trying to tune their racing cars yesterday and some of them got to the end of the day and hadn't got through everything they wanted to achieve. So even missing 10 minutes of practice today is 10 minutes lost that they're never going to get back all weekend. That's an opportunity for them to try and get their cars right Ooh. to be good at 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Somebody... No, that was just somebody coming oh. out of pit lane, but that looked a bit odd there. It was one of the, blue, the blue Mercs, I think, that was just coming out of the pit lane. Or had they been off on the inside of the corner again? Uh, but that was just something that caught my eye there as the traffic was going by. And that's one of the IRC. Oh, that's the IRC, yeah. the chrome blue IRC. Well, that was the car that was Traveling moving very slowly. Gently, isn't it? Yeah. Daniel Gillison at the wheel of that one. Very experienced driver. So potentially, and has done a lot of work on these cars, works on these cars as well, so knows them intimately. So if he's cruising, then there's clearly an issue with the car. He has just jumped into that car as well. Adam That's Hargraves okay. has been You've got to give me a break. I said a chrome blue Merc. And what body it is? Well, it, it is. <laughs> it is a Merc body. <laughs> not, on, not like an AMG Merc. No, no. And, uh, saying, oh. They're really nicely put together. <laughs> yeah. Krillzy and I had a good crawl over them. Uh, earlier in the week, and I'm I'm really impressed. I like this idea of uh, a purpose-built race car where if you do have a, a whoopsie, that you can change a corner. It's a it's a safe car because it's a tube frame, and you can go out and put in lap times that are akin to cars that are far more expensive, and that's why they have the the reference time here. I think I think there's there's a future in that, and between Mark and I, I see, and one or two others as well. Um, there's there's something going on there. I like that. Well, there, there was a couple of years ago. I think it was Anton Di Pasquale uh, had set the qualifying time at a 20601 or something like that, right on the benchmark. And then the team said, "Okay, let's see how fast it can go," knowing that they'd done their time. That couldn't be taken any, away any from quicker it. lap yeah. that would just get deleted, so it didn't matter. And he went straight into the fours. Yeah, the fours. Bang! That was one of the Yeah, that was one of the Mark Twos. Um, the IRCs and evolution of that car. Uh, Paul Sepernich, who is the man behind both the Mark Two and the IRC GT, is here this weekend, working down there with the TechWorks squad, the Danny Studded car, which has got Paul Tracy, among others, in it. And uh, Seppi, like a proud parent, watching his <laughs> race cars there. go around. Exactly. How many racing cars has that bloke designed Ooh, over the years? I think I read something. It's, it's become the, almost the biggest ma Australian manufacturer of race cars yeah. now, as um, Pace Engineering. And so, by virtue, one of the largest manufacturers of cars in this country. Yeah, stop, that's Robert. right. Yeah. Yeah. Vehicle yeah. manufacturer, yes. yeah. OEM or not. Yeah, don't, don't get me started <laughs> yeah. on that. And I'm not even Australian. And I just shake my head every time I look into that particular story. Thomas Randall out for the STM triple two going through Griffins and heading up the mountain in the area of the track that every single driver, when they first come here, if they walk the trap or the track or they drive up it in there, a higher car at 60Ks, because it doesn't look that steep on the television. Oh, it doesn't look this narrow on the television. This is effectively a street circuit. Think about Monaco, think about places like that. That's how close the walls are here, Garth, yeah. when you're heading up from Griffins up to the top. Yeah, that, and that's what makes this place so special, is the commitment required yeah. and the, for the speed across the top. Like in GT3 cars, fifth gear, 220, 230, oh. minimum speed at Reed Park and McPhillamy, and then, you know, 262 on approach to Skyline. Like, it's it's seriously fast. Yeah. So it does look a whole lot narrower in a GT car because you're going that much faster. Um, so the commitment required, and that's what makes the place special, and that's what, as race car drivers, you get excited about. You know, and, you know, we heard from Lucas Stoltz saying, you know, the first time across the top of the mountain, you're nervous because, you know, yeah. the consequences are high if you get it wrong. So you've got to really respect this place and build up to it. The middle sector, that 33 seconds across the top of the mountain oh. is the best 30-odd seconds you'll have in a race car in Australia. It certainly is the most challenging bit of bitumen that we have here. I remember talking to Mika Salo in the early years that we came here. 
and Mika said, and I was saying to him, what about the track? How is it? And, and you know, and the obvious comparison, the own, not the only, but the obvious comparison in Europe is the Nordschleife, mm. which is a lot longer. And, and Mika said to me, so I said, a bit like the Nordschleife. He says, oh, no, no, it's much scarier than the Nordschleife. <laughs> and I said, why? He said, because you come to the scary bit once every two minutes, not yeah. once every eight minutes. And I went, oh, yeah, fair point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so two points to pick up on there. One, proof that it's a public road. You can right now exchange some significant cash money for number 457 Conrad Strait, if you so wish. It is on the market. Very nice place on driver's left, just past the Bathurst Light Car Club there, up on the side of the hill. Nice view of Conrad pit straight number two and I'd just like to point out Garth that it's taken me 49 (laughs) minutes and 54 seconds to get to this today but I went round this place last night at speed I've been waiting to get. Ah, yes, some you point. did too. Yes, and I just no. no we, we need to make sure everyone knows that it wasn't Rich that was driving. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, I, I enlisted young young bloke um, C. Laundes. Yeah, um, Londes, I Londes, think Yeah, not said. not heard of him before, but yeah. geez, talented can drive. Yeah, he'll go well, um, boy. He's got a future. Little, a little Red. sneak peek of the future because it was a Corvette Z06. Turns out rapid, but that middle sector you just cannot comprehend how utterly insane. It is at speed across there. It's otherworldly. And that, that rise as you come over the hump while you're trying to turn the car into McPhillamy Park. <laughs> I think it's cute that you think that a passenger ride in a road car with Lounsey you think at speed. Well, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't slow going. I know Lounsey would have been having a crack. He was. <laughs> but in a, in a road car on a, on a cup tyre, I know it's, it's nothing like yeah. it. Those tyres were not road legal tyres. You wouldn't have been no, able no. to get them out the of New it. New South Wales police would, would <laughs> take a close look at those. Yeah. Um, gee, fair horse of the mail, the old Z06, though. Mm. 8,000 RPM in a Corvette. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Flat, a mid-engine Corvette. Sounds like a Ferrari. It's, Looks a bit like a Ferrari yeah, as well. Yeah, it goes as hard as one. That was, the, that was the white one, wasn't that it? That was fun. seen yeah. around town, yeah. yeah. Saw that in the BP garage uh, the other day getting fueled up. And old mate's there, like one hand off the wheel. And yeah, yeah, and you get the apex here and it's all good. No problems. That's the fun part. I was on the road, Lounsey. When you take a passenger, (laughs) you're really operating at like 60%. So you have a bit of a chat. Like you say, take a hand off the wheel. Start pointing at things in the the scenery. (laughs) It's good fun. KTM out on the circuits. Another one of our invitational class coming down to the right-hander heading into the chase. This... uh, an all-carbon car now with the GT2. With the clamshell that pops up the fighter jet cockpit, if you will. Car's got a little bit bigger down through the years. You'll remember they started off as a little open-top roadster with a 1.8 or a 2-litre Audi turbocharged engine mounted across the back. Uh, the GT2 version with the... I'm going to say this, and I'm now I'm not sure. I think it's the 5... Cylinder yeah, engine, correct? Yes, hundred percent. Because they couldn't quite get the power they wanted out of the four-cylinder. They got it for a while. I was telling the guys at KTM, <laughs> yeah. Well, "Yeah, we we got enough. It's, it's a ridiculous amount of power, five hundred plus horsepower." And he said, "Well, yeah, we got it for a while. Uh huh. <laughs> not Just quite long enough. Not though. long <laughs> enough. An endurance race. <laughs> no. Uh, amazing looking thing. Looks like it's been dropped from a hard point of some military aircraft, and yeah. it's." It's a really clever piece of engineering there. Road cars are great. They're built in Austria, as I say. Laura Kreihammer is here, who's the test and development driver. Uh, works, been at the company for a very long time. Knows the company inside out. Rapid pilot. Seen her in 24-hour racing around the world with the rest of the KTM team. Uh, they often have a bit of a factory outing at Barcelona. They'll bring a, a couple of cars or whatever they've got for next year that they're trying to prove uh, and bring... A few people from the factory, and quite often even the owner will pop out as well. We often refer to some of these GT3 cars as spaceships, and yeah. I think that KTM <laughs> yeah. is the poster on your wall as a kid spaceship race it car. Is. It is. If you go and have a close look at it, when it does have the cockpit sort of, you know, ejected, if you yeah. like, yeah. and and the top of the car up, it's a seriously cool-looking race Ejected's car. Ejected's the right word, because there should be a big red button under one of those security <laughs> covers you whack to pop the thing out. 
I think there is. I think the starter button is actually under a, a cover. It should be. Because it's, it's very Just good. right next to the switch for the missiles. <laughs> and, they've, and they've also got a lovely little thing where when the clamshell comes up and you take the steering wheel off, on the roll cage, there's a little clip to hang the steering wheel so that you just take it out of the way. Get out of the way. Uh, news from Race Control that the WRT number 46 BMW M3 has served its lonely 10 minutes in the pit lane for overtaking when the red flag came out. And so that car is allowed to rejoin for the last just under six minutes of this one-hour session. Still one hour to come. And that's uh, not too far away, actually. So, quick look at the data, and then back out on the track. Yeah, it looks to me like they didn't even bother taking a bit of extra time to make a change to the car, because the first sector's 11.36, so if you take into consideration the time to transit pit lane and then get to the first sector line at the top of the mountain, you'd imagine that 10 minutes stationary time in pit lane and a minute 36 would yeah, correlate to that, so... They, uh, they just, like, sent Maxime Martin on his way straight away, which he'd really only just started his run when news came through that they had to go and sit in the naughty chair for 10 minutes. So I uh, don't think it was his doing at the red flag, but as a team, you have to take that penalty. And they're back in the lane again now, so... A few lap times popping up as well. Ross Gunn jumped into the top six... A couple of minutes ago in the heart of racing, Mercedes-AMG with a 204.3. Bumped down then by Matt Campbell in the Porsche at a 4.2. And then in a nice examples of numerology, Mickey Grenier has just done a 204.1 in the <laughs> National Storage Racing Merc to go sixth. Great to have the Canadian back here for a second year after being part of the Group of M team last year. Yeah. Sounds noisy in pit lane. Shay. It is, guys. You picked up on the fact that Maxime Martin came straight back in. It looks like they're doing slight work to the car, but not a significant setup change. And the sister car, actually, the 32, sat in the lane for a long time. It was Shelton Vandalinda who brought the car in. They did a driver change over to Charles Wirtz, who has sat in the car for the entirety of the time that the sister car was in serving its penalty. They put stickers on that 32 and then took the sticker Pirelli's back off. So Charles out on the track now has used Pirelli tires, but they do have new ones ready to go to try and move that car further up the charts because right now it sits P10 and everybody is very closely watching the timing screens because remember the top 15 after the next session get their own qualifying session and the bottom 15, well, they're relegated to go first. It's a good point, Shay. And there's a couple of cars right now. Imagine this is practice six. For example, Jack LeBrock, very capable racing car driver who's been successful here in GT3 racing in the past, is only 17th in that M Motorsport number 48 car. So that's the kind of thing people will be looking at in practice six in an hour or two and get to the end of that session is what cars are outside that top 15 that will be the top 50% when we get to qualifying later on this afternoon. Another good car is car nine. Mark Sini's done a lot of the work in the Hallmark Property Group Audi. But he's got Lee Holdsworth and Dean Fiore to plug in. We'll make that car go very, very quickly. So that's another one that probably end up a little bit further. The same could be said for the Wall Racing Lamborghini. Only 20th at the moment. But Adrian Dietz has done a lot of the laps in this session, getting miles in that brand new Evo 2 Huracan. Bit of an electrical glitch on the 22 Audi. The flash isn't working properly. So it's taking out the dear notice light but it's not actually putting the, the high beams. In fact, I think the high beams are already on on the, yes. the right-hand side. Now, it's a small thing, but if you're trying, Garth, to attract the attention of a GT4 car or something ahead of you, you you're not you're not doing yourselves any favour there. Yeah, that button, John, in a GT3 car is the most used button <laughs> in the whole race car. It's worn out, <laughs> the flasher button. I think there's a rule now in SRO competition how much you can actually use the flasher yeah. button per lap. And you're not allowed to program. You used to be able to program and a certain stay amount on. of flash. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you just hit it once <laughs> and it gave 10 flashes or whatever. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, so uh, potentially it's just worn out, John. No, that's <laughs> the, con the contact's <laughs> gone. Yeah, used... Yeah. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> so that's something they'll need to get fixed ahead of qualifying because that is the session that gets used a lot. Oh, oh. Here we go. Peak hour at the cutting. Bathurst style. Three oh. wide. Oh, oh man. man. So, oh, oh, so Haas backs out of that one. You can hear the marbles under it. And we'll often hear, say that. 
that if you go offline and hear the marbles, you can hear it rattling under the car up into the guards and you're losing grip. So Pekau very close, nearly turning into a multi-car incident there. How, how important, though, is the experience that Haas has showed there and Chris and backed again, out yeah. of it? And again, yeah, we all want to have a hurry up. We all want to get the car tuned, but no point in doing that if the car's balled up. Well, and important here because it's only a half-hour turnaround to an yeah. important practice session that if you damage the car now, you're spending that half an hour fixing the car, not tuning the car. So really important to not have any damage in this session at all, let alone right at the end. And it's Max Twig aboard the IRC car and Harsey now starting to get a little bit impatient, which doesn't happen often for Christopher Haas. <laughs> so we've said in the past that these invitational Mark cars or IRC cars are so fast in a straight line, but they don't have the braking capability. Now, Haas is not going to get up the inside because Twig has not seen him whatsoever. So this is nearly six on Ks of running, and Max Twig has not seen the faster car. And this is what we were talking about, See the, about the importance of getting into the yep. fast 50%. Yep. Correct. Correct. Because you could get yourself caught like this, and you've wasted a whole lap. So Haas here has lost a whole lap and even if he gets by here he's not going to the second lap now is polluted so yeah. we, we didn't learn I don't think we learned a huge amount yesterday about form but the one thing we did learn was that traffic is going to play a much more significant way in the the way this race plays out compared to last year that extra half a dozen cars is going to make a huge difference to negotiating traffic and it could end up being the difference between a good result or like Haasa almost was there, being parked against a concrete fence somewhere. But it's not just an extra half a dozen cars, Krillzy. It's the performance levels Correct. of those yeah. half a dozen cars and where they make and how yeah. they make that lap time. Because mm. those invitational cars are pretty quick in a straight line and therefore it's got to happen in the braking area. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of the time in the GT3 car, all you're doing in the braking area is catching back up again, yeah. not affecting the passing move. So the same used to happen when they used to run the class B Carrera Cup cars. Yes. Yeah, they were actually faster in a straight line than a GT car but didn't have the downforce or the ABS braking. So they were a real challenge to get around with the, the, the Carrera Cup cars. And we're seeing that now with the Mark Mustangs and the IRC Mercedes and Invitational cars. So it's the, it's the style of car of those additional six or seven cars that is going to make it interesting and challenging in the race when we get to lap traffic. And it was pretty graphic there. Like Christopher Haas, he's a very calm. I called him accountant yesterday. He's very, very <laughs> calm, cool and collected. And that's as angry as I've seen Christopher Haas in a race yeah. car here at Bathurst. So it doesn't mean anything right now, but that's the sort of thing as a race car driver you put in the back of your brain and you think, well, how am I going to deal with that in the race? How am I going to get past this, these style of cars more quickly in the race? That might be a really important lesson. He's just learned yeah. that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why someone like Christopher Haas is so good because he would have... He's angry, but he knows that he can park that information in the back of his brain. He knows where that car's fast, that particular driver, how, what their style is. So you're always learning, regardless whether you lose your lap time. And this lap now for Haas, he comes to the line and it's... What is it? It's a 5-4, so it's not a representative lap time, but he's learned a lot. You're seeing a 5-4 is not a representative no, lap time. No. It's not. <laughs> it's not. As a race car driver, you wouldn't even bat an eyelid at that one. You go, oh, that's a five. That's not that impressive. Well, speaking of fives, <laughs> Cam McLeod punched out a five six mm. in the number 91 IRC. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Very though. good lap time. <laughs> <laughs> Too fast. <laughs> He's a superstar in the making, that young bloke. Yes, Third is. generation McLeod to come to Mount Panorama. His dad, Ryan, in founded Mark Cars Australia. His dad, Pete, won the great race. 87. Yeah. Mm. Famous, yeah. famous victory as we confirm the session results in practice five, a quick turnaround before the final practice session and then qualifying. So Mercedes AMG on top, it was Jamie Winkup who did that two minute 3.11 on his 13th lap of the session. The 9.11 Porsche next, Harry King did the time there and then Mercedes AMG Grouper M racing up to third. The defending champs in fourth and Craft Bamboo P5. Brock Feeney, fast as always in Triple Eight. I think Mickey Grenier did that time, though, to get to six. Heart of Racing, the Porsche, made Matt Campbell in eighth. Haaser, despite his adventures at the end in ninth. And Charles Vitz in the 32 BMW in the top ten. So all of our key outright brands represented. Class battles. Fastest Pro-Am car was the car that was quickest overall in that session, which indicates what they could do. 
the IRC GT number 91 of Cam McLeod Quickest in Invitational. And we'll tell you about GT4 cars when they roll down. The Lambo Quickest in the Silver Class mm. in GT3. There's only three cars in Silver Class, but that is completely wide open. All oh. three of them could be first, second and or third. Uh, 87 you mentioned there for the great race. Wasn't that the uh, the Eggenberger Sierra, yeah. Scott? Yes, about yeah, that's our producer upwards. in London who's mm-hmm. yeah. just fed me that, and he <laughs> yeah, hasn't looked that up. That's yeah. Rob. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that famous. came back to me as soon as I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a very famous race, that one. <laughs> well, that's that's another good session. A lot of information gleaned. We have had now our first red flag. It was only a quick one uh, caused by the Artura. And uh, that looked like an interesting ride. But all is well. No harm, no foul, as they would say. Uh, Shea Adam down in the pit lane, along with uh, the rest of the drivers coming in. We'll take a quick word from her before we wrap up this session. I wandered down to the Triple Eight garages to try and get a word with the fastest man from the session and see if I can interrupt really quickly here. They're just having a little bit of a debrief. Jamie, do you mind if I interrupt really quick? Sorry, Simon. That was that was a pretty good lap out there. But how difficult is it to not get excited because conditions will be so much hotter later? Yeah, for sure, for sure. We're we're here to have a bit of fun and go as fast as we can. Um, I'm not qualifying the car, so in a way, that was my qualifying session. So um, there's a bit of there's a bit of etiquette out there that you don't flash people in in practice, you know, because there's no need. But I got a good good run over the top. It was my last lap of the, da- of the day. I'm sitting out for the rest of the day now. Uh, I have a teammate in front of me. I'm flashing him, going, mate, 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 get out of the way. I need, I need this lap. So he, um, Brock did get out of the way, and I finished the lap. So, yeah, we don't get too excited. It's only practice, but um, it's hard to go fast around here in these cars, so I'm, I'm certainly happy. Do you feel like you have a good level of confidence in the race car to know that the next time you jump in, it's green flag, full-on race? Yeah, we, we do. Dude, the car's really nice and comfortable to drive. It's got a lot of understeer as well. It's like a, like a, road, like a good road car. It sort of sits and it's, it's easy, user-friendly. But um, I think we're going to need to give the car more front balance to, to get a bit more pace in the race. So we've got P6, so we'll, we'll work on a few tools and then to uh, work out how to get a little bit more balance. And, but um, all in all, so far, so good. We're having fun. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. So, deep breath, everybody, because next time we come back for the timed session, which is termed free practice six, but it does have significance as it will set the groups in which you qualify. And as Garth Tender said, Tanda said earlier on, um, you want to be in the top group. There's less chance, and I love this, of, uh, what, what do you call it? Traffic, Traffic pollution. pollution. Yes. I'm nicking that. That's, okay, you can have that one. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Krause, Garth and Shea. Stay around. Don't go too far from trackside. There's things happening all day here. And, of course, we've got full coverage for you on the stream worldwide as well from Mount Panorama Bathurst. It's the 2024 Repco Bathurst 12 hours. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.